0: Good morning. morning. It's good to see all of you out this morning. We're glad that you're here with us. Our lesson for this morning is a unique lesson in that I've never done a lesson like this before. Um, I've heard lessons like this before on many occasions, but I've never done one. Uh, But our lesson for this morning follows our theme of facing the future. Last week we talked about preparing for the future. And today's lesson is going to be about looking back and also looking forward. And uh, the main portion of this lesson is going to look at the history of the church. It is important that when looking forward, we also recognize our past. If we don't acknowledge our past, it is impossible for us to learn from our mistakes. Seeing where we have been helps us to see where we are going. We've often heard the saying, history repeats itself, and often it does. As we look at the Bible especially, we realize that many of the events that happened in Scripture happened later on with other individuals, with other nations, and the things that, that have happened in Scripture also continue... To happen even in our world today. There is one author that said there is nothing new under the sun and that's very true. History does repeat itself. As important as it is for us to look back, it is just as important that we look forward. One who doesn't look forward is liable to crash. That's a driving reference. Whenever we drive a car or a vehicle of some kind, it's important that we look forward. If we keep our eyes on the rearview mirror, we're going to run into something. And it's the same way with our lives as well. We have to continue to look forward. We can't keep our our minds and, and attention on the past. We have to continue to move forward. If we don't look forward, we have no direction, no goal, and nowhere that we want to be. And it's just as important to the church that we look forward as it is in looking at it from a personal standpoint. Now, turning our attention to the church, we see that the church is no different in either regard. It is important to recognize the history of the church. Realizing our mission from our beginnings. Recognizing what has been successful and what is not. Making sure that we are the same church that was established by Christ. If we get to the point that the way that we worship and the doctrine we teach are not the same as that of our past, then we are no longer a congregation of the Lord's church. If we get to this point, it may be that we need to change our name because we're not the same as what we were. But hopefully we don't get to that point. And it is just as important for us to look to the future of the church. We have to be in the present. But we have to look back and we also have to look forward. Uh, To recognize our goals and where we want to be in the next few years Especially as a congregation, uh, how do we want to to be even in the next five to ten years? We have to look forward to be able to recognize where we want to be. Looking back as well as forward helps us to be the church that God wants us to be. But it's important for us to be able to look both ways. As we get into the major portion of our lesson, let's begin by looking back. Like I said, this involves a a history of the church, and uh, hopefully it won't be too boring. This is a subject that has interested me for a very long time, but I've never tried to do a lesson with it, so bear with me today. But the history of the Mars Hill Church, for instance. It only goes back to approximately eighteen fifty two. Give or take, maybe, but eighteen fifty two is is the year that that from all accounts that we have, it's the year that we began as a congregation. And none of us were there. But the history of the church goes back much further in 1852, the church existed well before that, and it's important for us to recognize the church as it began. Let's begin with its establishment. The church was, establishment, or was established in approximately 33 AD. Uh, some give or take a few years, but uh, somewhere around AD 33, the day of Pentecost, is when the church began. (coughs) The establishment of the church had been promised. In Matthew 16, beginning with verse 13, we read this. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, "'Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am?' So they said, "'Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah,' and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And in verse 17 of Mark 16, Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my Father who is in heaven. they also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. As we get to verse 18 of Matthew 16, Jesus made a promise. That not on Peter himself, but on his faith, on the foundation of his faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, that his church would be built. It wasn't the church of any man. It wasn't the church of of anyone seeking to start something of their own. It wasn't the church of Peter. But it was the church that Jesus claimed for himself. It was his church. He would establish his church, And that's exactly what he did. Now we read of this promise being fulfilled as we begin in Acts chapter 2 and verse 36. Acts 2 and verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. In verse 40, and with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. And those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayer." The church was established. Following a a moving sermon, I guess you could call it, from Peter, the Jews were cut to the heart. And they asked, what shall we do? And they were told, they were given an answer, repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And that's what they did. They obeyed the gospel, and when they did, the church came to be. The church began with some 3,000 members who obeyed the gospel plan of salvation, and they continued in the doctrine of the apostles, the doctrine that had been given to them through Christ. We recall what Jesus had told them in Matthew 28. Before his departure, before his ascension, In Matthew 28 and verse 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. They continued in the apostles' doctrine, the doctrine that Jesus had handed down to the apostles to give to the people in the establishment of the church. And so we continue in the Apostles' Doctrine even today. But something happened. There were warnings that were given of what would come. Warnings of a period of what we refer to as a falling away. In Acts 20... And beginning with verse 25. And indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore... Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock. are the elders that Paul is speaking to. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure savage wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock Also from among yourselves men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Paul warned the elders of the threat of savage wolves coming from where? Not from the world necessarily, but he warned of savage wolves coming in from among themselves in which the disciples would be drawn away from the truth by them. Notice what is said in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning with verse 3. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 and 4. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God. The falling away began with one when one exalted himself above all that is called God and showing himself that he is God. The falling away began because of someone searching for power and glory. A power and glory that is not man's to obtain. Various religions today share in this pattern of exaltation of individuals, even worshiping them as if they themselves are deity. One in particular, the Catholic Church, has exalted the Pope as the head of the church, instead of Christ, who is the rightful head of the church, as according to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. In First Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, First Timothy 4 verse 1, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain. From foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Christians would be led astray when pursuing what they wanted to hear. Timothy was warned in 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 2 through 5. Preach the word. End your afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. The changes made within the church to form the religions of today did not happen overnight. Following the exaltation of men over God, many other additions and subtractions had been made, each one seemingly forming another denomination of what is believed to be the church. What is believed to be the church. Today, for many people, the true church and true religion is almost unrecognizable among the changes of men. Following the falling away period, many displeased with what had become of the church, sought to reform the church. And this is what is known today as the Reformation Movement. But instead of using the authority of the Scriptures, however, they reformed it in the way that they wanted it. Uh, As according to what uh, the Catholic Church especially had done, the things that they didn't like, they, they sought to reform those things, to change just those things. Forming even more denominations, not one fully practicing according to the pattern of the New Testament. The Protestant movement was begun after Martin Luther penned and published his 95 Theses against the practices of the Catholic Church in 1517. The Lutheran Church was begun somewhere around 1521 when he was excommunicated from the Catholic Church. And many more Protestant churches following, still protesting Catholicism, but none relying solely on the authority of Scripture. That brings us to another period, another time, another movement. The Restoration Movement. Something I want to make clear before we go any further. The Church of Christ is not a Protestant church and was not established in protest of Catholicism or any other religion. The Church of Christ existed long before the Catholic Church and it exists long after as well. The restoration movement began when denominational ministers and members realized that their practices did not agree with the authority of Scripture and sought to return accordingly. The church being restored follows the doctrine of the apostles, seeking a thus saith the Lord for everything that we do, seeking to bring glory and honor to only God. We seek to be only Christians according to the pattern of the New Testament. Not hyphenated Christians. Uh, We have so many people that call themselves Christians. But when you really break it down, and, and they'll tell you too, we have Baptist Christians, we have Methodist Christians, we have Presbyterian Christians, and so many others. But we seek to be only Christians. We're not Church of Christers. We are Christians. We wear the name of Christ because we follow the doctrine of Christ. And that's all that we are. That's all that we seek to be. When someone asks you what you are, I hope that you're able to tell them, I'm a Christian. We believe in the seed principle. That the teachings of Scripture can only produce Christians when those adhering to it obey the Gospel and remain faithful to only God. Our desire is to speak only where the Bible speaks and to remain silent when the Bible is silent. Only following the authority of the Scriptures. Not adding to and not taking away. That's what the Restoration Movement is all about. It's not about reforming the church, not about taking things that we don't like about this religion and and making our own. It's about following God's Word and God's Word only. More immediately, many once faithful congregations have turned away from faithful service to God. And many of the reasons above could be cited. Many are led away from faithfulness by false teachers who teach things that are pleasing to the ears but not in accordance with God's will for His people. Members within these congregations, uh, they would rather hear a lie than to hear the truth. They would rather hear what pleases themselves than to hear what God wants from them. Elders who fail to shepherd the flock. Might history be repeating itself at at least to some degree today? That's exactly how the falling away began. Elders that failed to shepherd the flock, who sought to be exalted above others and, and sought glory and power. Some congregations have fallen into what we refer to as antiism, binding on their members and other congregations where the scriptures have not bound. Some have loosed in certain matters where scripture has not loosed, ceasing to do the things commanded, or allowing things in worship that are not authorized. Some are led astray simply because they do not know the scriptures because they do not know the scriptures many that are, are raised in denominationalism and adhere more to the traditions that they are familiar with than the word of God brothers and sisters we need to know God's word so that we can know his will so that we can follow his will And that's looking back. Let's spend the remainder of our lesson looking forward. Looking forward into our future, what lessons can be learned by observing our past? Beware of false teaching that threatens to lead us away from faithfulness. We have warnings in Scripture to beware of false teachers, false prophets. Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20. These are the words of Jesus. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. We must recognize their teachings to be false by knowing well the truth from God. In 2 Peter 2 and beginning with verse 1, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies Even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction and many will follow their destructive ways. Many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. The problems of the past are problems that we need to recognize in the future as well. False teachers are still among us and maybe more prevalent today than they've ever been. On any given Sunday, I would dare say that there are many, many more men and women that would stand in a pulpit and teach false doctrine then there are those that would stand for the truth these do not bring about good things with their favorable teachings they are as vicious as animals they are deceptive and they are among us They bring on themselves and others destruction. Remember what we read earlier, Paul's warning to Timothy, that there would be many who would turn away from the truth, that would have itching ears, that would follow something that was not true. False teaching is all around us. And we have a duty, we have a responsibility as Christians to recognize what is true and what is false. And how do we do that? By knowing the Scriptures. We must continue in the Apostles' Doctrine. As the church began in the first century, what we're told of that church is that they continued in the Apostles' Doctrine. And that's what we do today. That's what we should do. Warning is given that that we won't be led astray from God's Word. We are not to accept any other doctrine than what has already been given to us. Galatians chapter 1, beginning with verse 6. I marvel that you are turning away so soon from Him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you, then what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. The apostles presented the doctrine to us and and Paul even said there, even if, if we come to you and tell you something different, don't believe us. If anyone else comes to you and tells you something different, don't believe them either. You cannot be turned aside from the truth. We must be busy in the service of our Lord. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope. And glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ who gave Himself for us that He might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for Himself His own special people, zealous for good works. We are saved for the purpose of bringing glory and honor to God, pleasing Him with with the way that we live and bringing lost souls to Him. We are to be busy in doing those good works. And finally, we must not fall into the same trap of not knowing for ourselves the teachings of the Scriptures. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 19, 2 Timothy 2, beginning with verse 14, Remind them of these things charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of the hearers, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness, and their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past, and they overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. We are to know the truth so that we can rightly divide it so that we can can tell what is truth and what is not. Kurt said it in a Bible class. I've used this several times since in my lessons. But how do you recognize a counterfeit bill? You don't recognize it by knowing what is false. You recognize it by knowing what it's supposed to be it's the same way with the Word of God. We're not going to recognize false doctrine as being false doctrine unless we know what God's Word says. We need to know the truth. We need to be diligent in knowing the truth. We need to study, as some translations put it, to know the will of God. Many congregations have fallen. But what role did their members play in their fall? It was the members who were guilty of allowing things that should not have been allowed or failing to hold firm to the Word of God. And of course, those members were led by their leaderships into uh, the falling away that they, they fell into. We look at at some of the problems that were addressed in the seven churches of Asia, for instance. Some are guilty of compromising with error, Revelation 2, verses 12 through 17. Some are guilty of a lack of zeal falling into the category of lukewarmness, Revelation 3, verses 14 through 22. Some are dead, spiritually speaking, Revelation 3, verses 1 through 6. Some have left their first love, Revelation 2, 1 through 7. And some have allowed themselves to be corrupted by error and pleasures of the world, Revelation 2, verses 18 through 29. Compromise, lukewarmness, spiritually dead, left their first love, corruption. We as Christians must not be guilty of these same errors. As these seven churches were warned, so we are warned today not to be like them. And if we are, to turn away, to repent. Christians are encouraged to remain firmly grounded in the truth of God's word. Colossians 1, verses 21 through 23. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight, if indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister." 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. As we look to our future, as we face our future as Christians, as the church, we should do so with the mindset of immovability. We are to be grounded in God's word. Founded on the foundation of Christ. Are you a Christian? Are you a child of God? Have you obeyed the gospel? Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized for the mission of your sins. If you've not done those things, we'd be glad to assist you in doing so. If you're not a faithful child of God, if you need to return, if you need to repurpose your life or rededicate your life to Him, if you need to ask for prayer, for forgiveness, for something that you've done, if there is some way that we can help you, if you stand in need of responding to the Lord's invitation, then we offer this invitation to you. Please come, as together we stand, and as we sing.